Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, God bless you. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today and Sunday school hour. I'm glad you're here this morning. Looking forward to an exciting day and what God has in store for us today. A lot going on today and hope you know what's going on and are able to be informed. If not, we'll get you informed as we go throughout the day together, okay? So this morning, uh, we have a missionary, Chesley Howe, and he's um, going to Columbia. And so Chesley Howe going to Columbia, and he's one of a family of nine and he's the oldest, and so he's um, actually served in our military as well, in the Navy for four years, so we appreciate your service, and we're thankful for that, and um, also went to uh, our Generation Training Center and graduated from there. How many of you remember the first week of Missions Month? Seemed like a little bit ago, but uh, the first week of Missions Month, we had Jeff Bush. Who remember him? Okay, that's the director of the college that he attended and went to, and so he graduated from there, and so we're thankful that... He's with us today. He's going to do the Sunday school lesson this morning, give a little bit of a testimony about his testimony personally, a salvation testimony, and then give us a Sunday school lesson. So I'm thankful that you're here this morning. By the way, next week we start up connection classes. And so we will not be in this auditorium, but we will be in the other building. And you'll want to go based upon your age group. And so just at this same time, you'll be over in the other building and find the right age group. And some of us might have changed to a different age group since we've had classes. So uh, you want to keep in mind uh, the signs will be very visible in the hallways. And we'll have signs put up in, in the stands in the hallways, actually. So you'll see that. And I hope that you can make it to the right place. And if you don't, the first week... We'll get you to the right place the next week, but as long as you come, that's the main thing, and we look forward to that. But for now, this week, we're going to enjoy our missionary, Brother Chesley Howe, and he's going to come up and speak to us. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll turn it over to him. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have this month to have missionaries in. I thank you for the, this um, God-fearing man and, Lord, a, a godly man. Lord, I thank you that he is um, with a vision for a country already on his heart. It doesn't take long to talk with him and speak with him and to hear his heart for the country of Columbia. Lord, I thank you for the way you've worked in his life already. I pray that you'll use him this morning as he brings the lesson to us. I pray that our hearts will be ready and receptive to what you have for us. We thank you that we can be here, and we thank you for those who have come this morning uh, to be an encouragement to this dear brother in Christ. May you be an encouragement to us as well. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all so very much for allowing me to come. Uh, I really enjoyed the donuts and the coffee, so now I'm super amped and ready to go. I had two cups of coffee, so man, I'm ready for all day. But I really thank you all so very much for allowing me to come, and I'm so thankful that we can serve Christ in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and really we can serve Christ any day we want because we live in a free country, and I'm so grateful for that. And I remember growing up in Kansas uh, from the time I was a little kid, my parents took me to church. My dad was a pastor, and my mom homeschooled me, so I say, you know, my dad preached 
to me on Monday or Sunday and Wednesday than my mom preached on me every other day of the week, you know, homeschooling. She knew all my faults, so she, you know, corrected me on everything. But, you know, I remember going to church every single service, and, and I remember it for many times taking it for granted. But then I remember around eight years old, I remember I came home from church uh, one Sunday night after my dad had preached, and I laid in bed all night thinking, man, I need Jesus. And I remember waking up the next morning and kneeling next to my bed. And I knew all the verses because I'd been in church, you know, forever. But I remember kneeling next to my bed and accepting Christ as my own personal Savior. And I remember it was one of the greatest days of my life. It really changed my life. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, now I was excited to go to church and excited to read the Bible. Because, you know, the Lord just does, he just changes your heart when you get saved. There's nothing you can, you can do about it. He just makes you crave the things of God. But I remember waking up and reading my Bible every morning and wanting to go to church and super excited about church. And then another day happened when I was around 13 years old, September 11th. And I think many of y'all remember that, 2001. And, you know, I remember sitting at home, we were being homeschooled and my dad came in from the store and he said, hey, turn on the TV. And we had one of those little black and white TVs, you know, with the rabbit ears where you had to, you know, adjust them or put foil on them. I don't know if you guys did that. My parents were pretty redneck. So, you know, they put tin foil on it to get a better reception. But I remember he went in there and he adjusted it and he called all of his kids in there to watch TV. And I remember this never happens that my dad lets us watch TV during school hours. Something has to be going on. And we watched, you know, as a second plane hit, hit the towers in New York City. And I remember at that moment thinking, man, we grew up in a wonderful free country. And my parents were always very patriotic, and I grew up very patriotic. It's like we have the wonderful opportunity to be able to go to church every service. We don't have to worry about anyone coming in and, and telling us we can't serve God or, or worry about anyone, you know, telling us we can't go to church or anything like that. I mean, we can worship freely. We can do freely. We, have the, we live in the land of opportunity. But I remember watching that and thinking, man, why would anyone attack us? And at that moment thinking, man, when I turn 18, I want to join the military. And I was 13 at that time, so I was ready to go. I mean, I was like ready to go get my hunting clothes and, you know, my 30-30 and go to war. But my mom quickly reminded me that, no, you can't go to the Navy at 13 years old. Um, so I waited till I was 18, and I tried to join when I was 17, but I was homeschooled, so they wouldn't let me. So I had to wait until I was 18 and, and join the Navy. And I remember when I first joined the Navy, I had never really been out of the country before. You know, I've been to Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, and if there's any Texans in here, they'll tell you they live in another country. My dad, he's from Texas, he'll tell me that all the time. I don't believe him, but, you know, that was the first time I left the country and went to another country, and I remember when we left, we went down to Panama, it was one of the first places I went, and I remember going through Panama and seeing people and wondering, I wonder if they've ever heard about Christ. I wonder if they ever heard, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that it's for by grace we're saved and it's not of our works. And you know, the truth is almost no one there had ever heard of that. And then I remember later on working um, in Mexico and, and telling people about Christ there and realizing no one's ever told them about Christ. And very quickly, I started realizing that, you know, we grow up in the United States where we can go to church and I've been to about 45 different states and every single state I've ever been to I've been able to find a church but in many other countries there are no churches near for people to go to even if they do get saved and the Lord just started working on my heart then about missions and and saying man there are people all over the world that need the gospel and I got out of the Navy after that and started working as a commercial diver and operating underwater robots and it was the same thing I would travel around and everywhere I went you would find and talk to people about the gospel, about what God's done in my life. And yeah, I would see that many times there are people that never heard of the gospel, that they didn't even know anything about it. 
And then you'd look for a church for them to go to, and you'd find there is no churches for them to go to. And so I started praying, like, Lord, man, there are so many people around the world that, that don't know the gospel of Christ. Like, can we do something about this? And I know God, he has it all under control. But, you know, I started praying and, and giving more to missions. And it was after a while the Lord started looking at me. I'd get up and look in the mirror and I'd think, well, why don't you do something about it? And it's like the Lord was just pointing his finger at me saying, you need to do something about this. Why are you praying for someone else to? You can go. And I started praying, and the Lord just came to the point where I knew God was calling me to be a missionary. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night, as I was telling Brother Austin yesterday, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd think, man, what am I doing with my life? There's so many people around the world that are going to spend eternity in hell. If we don't go do something, no one else is. And so the Lord just started working in my heart. And I remember sitting in my room one day praying, saying, Lord, if I have to leave my job, if I have to leave, I was living in California, and I, I loved living there. I was only four miles from the ocean. And four miles from Mexico, which the tacos in Mexico are great. Or well, I live closer to Mexico. There's four miles to, the, to drive across the border. But you know, I remember sitting there thinking, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever I have to do, I'll go be a missionary. Do whatever you want me to do. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, I will go. And I remember just, you probably all felt it at one time in your life, just the peace that comes over when you surrender to what God wants you to do. And from then on out, I started school and Went to school down in Georgia and trained with uh, uh, Brother Bush. He, he taught me everything I know about missions. I mean, I didn't really know much about missions before I uh, went to our Generation Training Center, but he spent a lot of time with me training me and, and then started deputation in January. And Lord willing, I have a ticket to fly to Columbia December 14th. It's a one-way ticket, so I'm hoping I raise all the support by then. But I can't wait to get there. If you go to Colombia, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful countries in my mind, I think. I mean, there's the Andes Mountains, and it has deserts and plains, and the Amazon jungle down in the south, which I've always dreamed of going to the Amazon jungle and, and being there. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. But the one thing you notice everywhere you go, people are extremely kind. They're extremely nice. I remember handing out tracts there, and as soon as you handed someone a tract, they would start reading it, and you'd walk around the corner and come back, and they would still be reading it. And then they'd ask you questions about it. I'm like, man, this is amazing that people want to read the tract that you handed, handed to them. And people are just so kind, so, so nice and polite. But yet there's not really a gospel presence in Colombia. The city of Medellin, where I plan on starting out with a, a missionary there, Miguel Sanabria, it's a city of 3.5 million people. And there's only four churches that really preach the gospel there. I mean, that's a church for almost a million people. I mean, that's almost impossible. So I hope when I go there, I pray that the Lord will allow me to, to plant many churches and find people in Colombia that, that want to be pastors, that get saved, young men, and, and we can train them to be pastors and, and hopefully go start many churches all over Colombia. That's my goal. That's my vision, my ambition, Lord willing. And it is all through him, everything we do. We can only be obedient to God, and he, he gives us the increase. So I pray that there are many people saved in Columbia and come to know Christ in Columbia. And I thank y'all for allowing me to come and, and being part of it. And I just thank everyone here so much for just, just all the kindness you've shown me so far and just everything y'all have done for me. If you would, um, go with me to first or 2 Timothy 2.9. And I want to read a little bit of 2 Timothy, and then we're going to skip over to, to Acts 10. And, you know, I talked a little bit about whenever I was in my room, I remember sitting in the corner, I remember... Uh, I just finished my devotions, and, and I love drinking tea in the morning. Um, some people are more coffee. I, I love tea. I love coffee, too. But I remember drinking my tea, and I remember praying, as I said, you know, like, Lord, whatever it is, however hard it is, however difficult it is, please use me. 
I want to be surrendered to you. I want to do what you want me to do. And many times we pray this prayer, and it's easy to pray that prayer sitting in your room, drinking your tea, and there's no hardship, nothing, nothing coming your way, no obstacles. But then sometimes we hit obstacles and we're like, man, what in the world, Lord? What, what are you doing? How, you know, like, what in the world am I going through? So I'd like to read for you a little bit um, in, in 2 Timothy uh, 2 9, and we'll read the. Uh, yeah, verses 9 down through, in 2 Timothy 2, verses 9, we'll read a couple of verses down. Oh, I'm in 1 Timothy. Sorry, I was like, this is the wrong book. All right, what am I looking at? So 2, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 9. All right, let me find it. Sorry about that. All right, 2, 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Dear Lord, I just pray that as we look at your word in the next few minutes, dear Lord, that you would just give us something that you would motivate us, that you would challenge us, dear Lord, to, to tell people about you, dear Lord, and that we would realize there are people all over the world and, and here in uh, New Jersey, dear Lord, that people don't know you, dear Lord, and that we would just realize that we all have friends, we all know people that need Christ, or people around the world that need Christ, and that we would just be more challenged to go out to tell people about you, dear Lord. In your name, amen. Now, I remember I was at church in San Diego one Sunday afternoon, and I'd, uh, I, I was ushering, so I was kind of at the front of the auditorium at the end of church, and I remember looking to the back and seeing two guys back there talking, and they were two of my friends. One was a, a Marine, and he was still in the Marines. He's out now, and then the other one was a Navy diver. And they were back there in the back of the auditorium talking. I thought, man, they look like they're intent in a conversation. I wonder what they're talking about. Like, that looks like two guys that would have a good conversation I would be interested in. So I kind of stroll back there, you know, you know how you kind of hear, see two people talk, so you kind of walk close, hoping they'll invite you into their conversation. You don't want to eavesdrop or invite yourself, but you know, you kind of stroll a little close. So I'm kind of walking over there and I overhear them talking and they're talking about running a marathon. And so immediately I kind of walk over there because I've always kind of wanted to run a marathon. Very bad idea. If you're ever thinking about it, don't do it. It's a bad idea. But I remember thinking like, man, they're talking about running a marathon. I've always kind of wanted to run one, but I don't want to do it by myself. And so I'm listening to them, and I walk over there and join the conversation. They say, hey, Chesley, do you want to run this marathon with us? And at that moment, I could have said yes, or I could have said no. And I made the worst decision in the world. I said yes. So I remember thinking, like, okay, this marathon's, you know, it's a month away. <laughs> I'm going to go, and <clears throat> I'm going to train every single day for this marathon. So I wake up the next morning, I, you know, wake up five in the morning and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go run. And out of Siberian Husky, it was my dog at the time. And, you know, they love running. So he's excited to go running and I'm not excited to go running. So anyways, we get up and we go run and I run about eight miles. And it was a miserable eight miles. I say I ran eight miles. I ran four, walked probably two and then ran the other two. But it seemed like I ran all eight full speed. Anyways, I get done, and I go back, and I'm like, man, all right, this training's going good. Like, I'm going to be ready for this marathon. I'm going to beat all of them. They're not even going to touch me. They're going to be in my dust. And then the second day, I wake up to go train, and I'm like, man, I am sore as can be. I was like, you know, I'm not going to train today. I'm going to take a rest day. That's what you should do. You know, rest a few days, and then get back on the, you know, start running again. So the second day, I wake up again, or the third day, I wake up again, and I'm like, man, I'm still sore. 
I'm not going to run today. So I went back to bed and then got up and went to work. The third day came and I wasn't as sore, but I was like, man, I want to go to the gym. I don't want to run today. So I went to the gym and then the fourth day and the fifth day came and I didn't run. And then the 10th day came and I didn't run. And the 20th day came and I still hadn't ran or trained. And it's almost a week until the marathon thinking, man, if I go run now, I'm going to be sore when it's time to run this marathon. And I was like, I'm in pretty good shape. I'll be all right. So I didn't train at all. So the marathon came and I remember running it and the first six miles I was good. I was, you know, keeping up with them. And the, the Navy diver, his daughter was running. She weighs like not even a hundred pounds and she was running with, it, with, with us. And so the first six miles I was good. The second six miles I was doing okay. And then after that, I just started falling behind. And it was by the end of the marathon, the last six miles, I couldn't even run. I was just like pretending like I was running, but you know, not really running. I could walk faster than I could run. And I remember thinking that was the most miserable thing I ever did, all for this little medal they gave us that now sits in a shoebox in my parents' attic. Thinking, why in the world did I endure all that pain for one little bitty medal? It was not worth it. Don't ever do it if you ever think about it. Running is not a, not a fun sport. But I just thought about that. I'm like, man, we really endured a lot for, for really nothing. I mean, a little medal that isn't even real metal. It's like plastic with a sticker on it. Like, man, why did I do all that? But I think all the time of all, you know, all different athletes that, you know, they endure super hardships and super rough training and training camps and, and all kinds of things just for a medal. Maybe a medal in the Olympics or a, a trophy or football players that they'll train for hours and hours on throwing a ball and catching a ball for a ring or baseball players. They'll train hours and hours just to win. I don't even know what the when you win the baseball, I don't even know what the, the World Series, sorry, I'm, I don't know anything about baseball, but you know, or basketball, you know, they'll train hours and hours just to get a basketball through the hoop and, you know, hours and hours of enduring just to win a competition. Nothing of all the other things we endure, people who go to school and, you know, doctors, lawyers, engineers, and all those guys will endure hours and hours of studying and training just so they can make a paycheck and do what they do and all the different things that we endure for. I remember when I was in the Navy, um, my training wasn't super hard. I went to boot camp and it wasn't too bad. But I mean, hours and hours of boot camp, going through boot camp and running and everything to, to, to defend their country or defend freedom. And I remember when I was in San Diego, I'd go over to Coronado where the Navy SEALs train and sometimes I'd watch them. I mean, they would roll around in the sand and run up and down the beach and carry boats on their head so that we could live in a free country. I think, man, we as people, we endure all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons, whether it's freedom to live in a free country or, or for a medal or for a ribbon or whatever it is. But then we come here to Paul, and I think, what are we as Christians willing to endure so that others would know the gospel? You know, there are people all over the world that don't know the gospel. There are people that you work with that don't know the gospel. What would you and I be willing to endure so that others could know the gospel? I mean, Paul says in verse number 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, Paul was willing to endure some major, major things just so that people could know the gospel. And I thought, man, there's no way I'm like Paul. I mean, there's no way I've, I've been like Paul. You know, I've never been beaten for the gospel. I've never been, you know, let down out of a basket over a, a wall trying to run so I don't go to jail. I've never been in prison for the gospel. But then I started reading this story over here in Acts 10. If you would, turn with me to Acts 10 and started reading about this man named Cornelius in the Bible and this man named Paul. And I started reading down about Cornelius and I'm like, man, there are people just like Cornelius all over the world. 
And I started reading about Cornelius in the first few verses. It says Cornelius was a, a very good man. He was a, a soldier with the, with the Roman armies and the Italian band. And it says he was a devout man. He was a man that loved God, a man that feared God. He was a man that gave plenty of alms to the poor. And, and he took care of his family and his friends. And, you know, he was a very good man when we read down through there. And it says in verse number one of chapter 10 in Acts, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, that gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And then it talks about how he saw a vision. And he was a man that was just very much like, God, I love you and I want to serve you, but I really don't know how. And it says how he saw a vision and God came and answered his prayer and said, I can show you how. And, you know, Cornelius, he, even though he was a great man, even though he was a good man, even though he was a man that loved God, he was a man that was lost. And, you know, many of you know people just like that. You know people at work or people that maybe you go to school with or people that you go to the social groups with or maybe someone at the grocery store that you see every day. Someone that you would say, man, they are a really good person. Maybe they go to church or don't go to church. You know, they probably love their family and care very much for their family. They probably would help you. I mean, they'd probably take the shirt off their back for you. But yet they might be a person that doesn't know God. I remember I was telling Pastor Austin yesterday, I worked with a girl in uh, San Diego. And um, she, I worked with her for a good year. And I thought she knew God. I thought she knew God. I mean, she had grown up in Kansas. So I'm like, man, there's a Baptist church in every city in Kansas or every town in Kansas. For sure she had heard of Christ. I remember going and seeing on her desk one day, she had a bottle of juice named, uh, or it's called uh, Garden of Eden Juice. And I remember asking her, saying, hey, do you know what that is? And she said, I don't know, some, something in the Bible, I don't really know. And I was able to witness to her, and, you know, she had never heard of the gospel of Christ. You know, many of you know someone just like that, that that's probably never heard of the gospel, that God's given you an opportunity to be able to, to witness to. It's just like Cornelius. It's a good person, a, a person we would say, man, they're a model citizen or a, a model student or a model co-worker or a model worker, but they don't know Christ. You know, there are also people all around the world that don't know Christ. So I was saying earlier, whenever I went to Panama for the first time, and I remember going there, and I remember as we would drive through the streets, and I looked around, and I saw buildings that were crumbling down, and some of them looked like they had been bombed. I don't think they were bombed. I think they were just falling down, and piles of rubble in the, in the streets, in the areas. And I would see people standing around, and I remember one vision that just stays in my mind. It's never left my mind of a, of a mom that was washing her clothes in a five-gallon bucket with water that she had pulled up from the street from the rainwater. And her kids were running around, and you know, most of them looked like they had never taken a bath in, in weeks. But I remember thinking, I wonder if anybody's ever told them about Jesus Christ. And that it's for by grace we're saved through faith. You know, the truth is they probably have never heard of that. Nobody's probably ever told them. And this mom is probably a good mom. I mean, she's washing her kids' clothes. She's in the street. She's working. She's doing good work. But yet she's probably never heard that it's for by grace through faith we're saved. I remember the first time I ever went to Columbia, I remember we got in these cable cars that go up the side of the, the mountains in the Andes Mountains here. And I remember going up and I remember we stopped in this, this little area and I didn't know it at the time, but my friend was telling me this is the area where Pablo Escobar, the, the big drug cartel in Columbia that, that made all the violence back in the 80s, this is where he used to go and where they still go to recruit young men to go and join the cartel and become assassins or murderers or transport drugs or sell drugs or work in the drug fields. This is where he used to go to recruit his men. 
And I remember walking through the streets here, and they're all mud streets or dirt streets up on the side of the mountain, and they have their houses built. And I mean, I was looking at the houses. They're built out of pallets and sheet metal. I mean, stuff that I would put on the burn pile at home and burn for a bonfire. That's what they had their houses built out of. But I remember walking through there and seeing people walking through those streets. You know, most of them were dirty, and, you know, it was a little bit of a dirtier area. And I remember thinking, I wonder if anyone has ever told these people about Jesus. That is, for by grace through faith we are saved. And I remember many other times traveling in Cambodia. I remember going and, and seeing people going to these giant temples with these giant golden statues of Buddha. And I remember seeing them bowing down and lighting incense to those statues and praying that someone would take them to heaven when they died. And I remember thinking, no one has ever told these people about Jesus. Many of these people are good people. They're people that go, they go and they worship the statue or in South America, in Latin America, in Colombia, you know, they go and they, they go to the cathedral where they're told that if you do enough good works, when you die, you'll go to heaven. And God puts their works on a balanced beam. And if they have enough good works over their bad works, then they'll get into heaven. But we know that's not true. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We will never get to heaven doing enough good works. It doesn't matter how good we are. We've all sinned at least once, and that makes us a sinner, makes us go into hell. But no one has ever gone and told them that it's for by grace we're saved through faith. No one has ever told them that. There are people all over the world that don't know Christ, that don't know God, that don't know Jesus. People that are good people, that do good works, that, that want to get to heaven, that love God, that, that want to do good things for God, but yet no one's ever told them of the gospel of Jesus Christ and its, life saving, or its eternal life-saving power. No one's ever told them. They're just like Cornelius. They, they go to church and they serve and they worship and they, they pray and they, to the saints and they ask for forgiveness and they confess their sins to the, to the priest and they take the communion and they try to do all these good works, but yet they're never going to spend eternity in heaven because no one like Peter has gone and told them that they need salvation. And many of you work with people just like this. People that may go to church and people that maybe go to church here or, or go to the Catholic church or, or any other church. It doesn't matter what church. But they've never heard that it's for by grace we're saved through faith. But we got to tell them. When we read farther down through, through this story here in Acts number 10, we see a, we see a man that, that God was preparing to go and tell, tell Cornelius about Christ. And sitting in this room today, God might be preparing you he might be preparing you to go and tell your coworker about Christ, to go and tell your friend about Christ. I mean, but the Bible commands us in Acts, or I mean, Matthew, and really all through the Bible that we are to tell others about Christ. I mean, God commands it of us, but God wouldn't command us to do something that he wouldn't prepare us to do. And he might be preparing you right now, just like Peter, and giving you someone in your mind that this is the person you need to witness to. This is the person you need to tell about Christ. We read through here how, how God was preparing Peter in Acts 10, and we come down to verse number 9. It says, On the morrow, and talking about Peter, and on the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh into, city, into the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And then we can read the rest, how God uh, gave him a trance and he gave him a vision about how he could eat unclean things and, and talk to unclean people. And we see how God prepared Peter and he said, hey, Peter, I know this is your tradition. I know this is what you do. You wouldn't normally eat with Cornelius. You wouldn't normally go and witness to Cornelius. You wouldn't normally associate with those types of people. But it's okay, Peter. The Jewish law that you've been obeying, it's okay to break the law to go tell people about Christ. And we see how God was, was telling people, like, it's ready. And then the next morning, P Peter woke up, 
And he walked, and this one I find the most amazing things, is he walked 39 miles to go tell one person about Christ. And when I read that, I was like, it doesn't say 39 miles in there, but I looked it up. Google, it helps a lot. But you know, I remember when I was reading, I was like, man, he walked 39 miles just to go tell someone about Christ. It's like, man, would I be willing to walk 39 miles to tell someone about Christ? I mean, let alone drive 39 miles. I don't even, you know, that's, that's a long way to drive, but to walk 39 miles just to tell someone about Christ. It's like, man, Peter endured a long walk just to tell one person about Christ. I mean, I was just thinking running a marathon, I would never want to do that again, let alone walk 39 miles. But he walked 39 miles, and we see when he went and he, he talked to Cornelius, he got there and, and he talked to Cornelius, and Cornelius was a good man, so he brought all of his friends, all of his family, he brought everyone over to his house so that Peter could tell them about Christ. And when we look at Peter, we're like, man, he, he walked, not only did he walk 39 miles, but he crossed all the cultural barriers. And that day, the Jewish, they had their laws and their rules and everything else. And it was kind of like, you're not supposed to eat with the Gentile. You shouldn't really associate with a Gentile. You shouldn't really um, go into a Gentile's house or, you know, someone of your different culture's house. And you shouldn't stay the night. And really, we shouldn't be preaching to them. The gospel is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. And we see all these cultural barriers that Peter crossed when he went and witnessed to Cornelius. I think many times in our life, we all have cultural barriers we can cross to witness to other people. I think when God called me to Columbia, one of my biggest fears was I'm like, Lord, they speak a different language. It's a whole different culture. They eat different food. They do different things. Lord, how in the world am I going to do this? You know, just like God gave Peter grace, he'll give me grace. And just like God gave Peter grace to go and witness to him, he'll give each and every one of you grace. We all know someone that's different than us. It doesn't take very long for me to find someone that's different than us. And many times it doesn't take us long, you know, to complain about someone that's different than us. But God has grace. He wants us to witness to everyone, everyone in the world he wants us to witness to. Whether our same color, our same sex, or our same age, or older, or younger, or whether they're our same educational background, or whatever it is, God wants us to cross all cultural boundaries to witness to everyone. And you all know people that are different than you, that maybe they didn't have the same upbringing, or maybe they don't act the same as you, or maybe they have, you know, different, whatever it is than you do. God wants us to witness to all of them, just like he had Peter go to Cornelius. And we see in the next chapter after Cornelius went and he witnessed to the Gentiles that he went with to his Jewish friends and his Jewish friends were like, Peter, why would you go and witness to them? You know we're not supposed to hang out with, with those types of people. We're not supposed to be around them. We're not supposed to eat with them. We're not supposed to, to, to talk to them. We're not supposed to give them the gospel. I mean, the gospel is for us, not really for them. I mean, they're secondary to the Jews. The Gentiles are secondary to this. Those people are secondary to the gospel. And we see they were, I mean, there were Christian people that were ridiculing Peter for witnessing to a Gentile man. And I look at that, they think, man, would I be willing to do that, to go witness to someone that wouldn't be the normal person I would hang out with? Would I be willing to endure my friends making fun of me and saying, why are you talking to those people? Why are you telling them about Christ? Or, or being able to, to tell someone about Christ and them ridiculing me for witnessing, be like, man, we don't like you. You're, you're, you're a weird, you're a Christian, and all these different things. But Peter was willing to do that. And we see later on in the, in the verse, he says, well, God told me to, which trumps everything. If God told you to, what can they say? And they say, well, if God told you to, I guess it's okay. We see all the things that Peter was willing to go through just to tell one person about Christ. I mean, Peter was willing to cross all the cultural barriers, willing to go to a, another land just to tell someone about Christ. But then we also read in here about Paul. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, 
11.22, and we read in there about Paul and all that he endured so that others would know about Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11.22, it says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times I received forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day have I been in the deep. In the journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Arteus, the king, kept the city of the Damascians with the garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped by his hand. We see here Peter or Paul himself. I mean, he just suffered a lot of beatings, a lot of abuse just to get people the gospel. And he's the one that wrote 2 Timothy 2.9 where he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We see all through history people, men like Peter, men like Paul. We see the missionaries, you know, Adonai and Judson and, and all the missionaries through the ages have traveled all over the world to take people to gospel and endured all kinds of different things so that people can know Christ. And you know, what's more important is eternal freedom or freedom for the next 80 years. I think in the military and all they do for us in, in defending our freedom and all the different pain that they go through and the suffering they go through and talking to the different people in the church and the Air Force and the Army, all the different suffering that they go through just to defend our freedom. But you know what's more important than that is that people have a spiritual freedom for eternity. You know, our freedom here on earth may last 80 years or 90 years, or I hope to live to be 100. I don't know if I'll make it, but that's my goal. You know, no matter how long we live for, our freedom here is important. But what's more important is that people have a, a, a freedom for eternity, freedom from sin, freedom from hell, freedom from Satan. It is far more important in our freedom here. But what would we be willing to endure that others would know about the gospel of Christ? I mean, we even have Jesus that came down from his eternal glory in heaven, and he's by far the greatest example of endurance. He came from a place that was far beyond our belief and our imagination of what we could even expect heaven to be like. And he came to earth and he lived 30 years or 33 years so that we could be saved. He endured the beatings, he endured the cross, he endured the persecution, he endured being chased from city to city. He endured all kinds of things just so that he could die on a cross so that we could have salvation. You and I, we grew up in a beautiful country that is free, where we have, you know, limitless opportunity. And I know there are many things wrong with our politics and with the government and everything else, but man, we live in a wonderful place with lots of opportunity, lots of freedom, lots of ability to worship God, and ability to send people to other parts of the world to tell others about Christ. Most other countries don't have those capabilities. And we have such a wonderful opportunity here in the United States 
And God has given us and blessed us with being able to, to be saved, to know Christ, to, to know for sure when we die, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And if you've never accepted Christ, man, I would challenge you as soon as we're done to find someone and ask them about it. But man, we have such a wonderful opportunity. I think in my upbringing where, you know, I was in church every single Sunday, every single Wednesday. And even though I was in church all that time, it still took me eight years to get saved, you know, to, to understand. But, you know, I think of, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity to grow up in that sort of environment where, where I could know at an early age that I'm going to heaven when I die. I mean, it's such a wonderful opportunity. Wouldn't we want others to know of Christ? Wouldn't we be willing, shouldn't we be willing to pray just as Paul said and say, man, Lord, I'll endure all things, whatever it takes to take the gospel to, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my family, whatever it takes to take the gospel around the world, whatever I have to give up or give to be able to take the gospel to others, whatever I have to do, whatever fears I have to conquer to be able to take the gospel to others, man, shouldn't we be willing to endure it? If people are willing to endure things for a, for a silly medal or for, a, or for a, you know, a, a gold medal in the Olympics or a, a trophy or a ring or a ribbon or whatever it is, if you will endure all sorts of things and, and ridicule for training, shouldn't we be willing to endure that same thing just so that others would know the gospel? There are so many people around the world that are like Cornelius, that are good people, that are, that are people that, that love their family, they love their church, or they love their religion, or they think that they love God, and they think they know God, but yet they don't know. What would you be willing to endure so that others can know the gospel? People need to know the gospel. I mean, there are people every single day that die, and they spend eternity in hell, and they never one time heard the gospel of Christ, the same gospel that you and I have heard probably a thousand times. What would we be willing to endure? What would you be willing to endure so others can know the gospel? That, that's good, man. That's great. It's a blessing. Appreciate the spirit in which it was given and what was given to us and the challenge given to us all. What are we willing to endure for the gospel's sake? And so that is something that we can take throughout this week. Really, in reality, what is stopping us from not sharing the gospel? And uh, what stops us is what we believe is more important than the gospel, which nothing is more important than the gospel. And so I'm convicted by this. I'm challenged by this. I thank you for the lesson and the word of God and the way it spoke to my heart and pray it spoke to your heart as well. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.